Good morning, Harvest. Welcome to Palm Sunday. In the Easter uh, scheme of things, this is the week before the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus according to the Scriptures. And we read about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, his final time, as he'll begin the countdown toward the cross and the Easter event. And today uh, we call it, and it's traditionally known as Palm Sunday. And I want to read from Luke chapter 19, verse uh, 28 and following. And uh, it goes this way. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. And as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying the colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. And so they went and they found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked, why are you untying our colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. And so they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he had reached the place where the road started down, the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in heaven highest. Let's just pray today. Lord, as we come and we gather around your word today as a church, Lord, in every home right now, those that call Harvest their home church, those that are watching us today, uh, Lord, that perhaps don't belong to a church, but today I just would ask, Lord, that they would know they belong. They belong to you. They belong today. Lord, let this message of this great Palm Sunday uh, event as we read it be in our hearts today as we learn to praise our way out of the thick of it, I ask in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen. So we read this event of the crowds of people who are really having this time of extravagant praise and worship. At Harvest, we really value extravagant praise and worship. We like it loud. We love instruments. We love to shout and to praise the Lord according uh, to the format that we see in Scriptures. And we see this, really, this praise service that's happening uh, on the way into Jerusalem. Now, I want you to see this. It says, now, some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, Rebuke your followers. Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. The Pharisees actually hate that the people are worshiping so extravagantly and they're drawing attention to Jesus. And that's what praise does. That's what we're going to see. That praise really draws attention and makes Jesus' presence known. It makes it known to us, and it makes it known to the people that are around us. And the Pharisees are literally saying to Jesus, tell your, your followers, tell the people that are doing this to shut up. They literally are saying that. And Jesus says, no, if I do that, the very stones will begin to cry out and begin to praise as well. And if you notice, I love this part as I was reading this, it said that the Pharisees, these religious people, were among the crowd, 
but they weren't participating in the time of praise. We want to make sure that we're those in the crowd and in the journey of following Jesus. They're a part of the voice that's being lifted up in praise. I'm going to show you today how important it is to praise your way out of the thick of it and the, the power that's in this activities. We praise Jesus and we enter into a time of worshiping Him and thanking Him for all that He's done. We don't want to be the voice that says, hey, dumb that down a little bit. Let's be a little more religious about this. No, we want to cut loose and really understand the power of praising the Lord. The psalmist said this, Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of His name and make His praise glorious. We want to make our times of praise and worship glorious. What does praise look like that's glorious? What does glorious praise and worship look like? We want to talk about that today. The Pharisees wanted the people to calm down. And Jesus said, no, literally the earth, as we read here in the psalm, as the psalmist wrote, the earth will cry out. The very stones will cry out. One of the first times that I experienced the power of praise was when I was a young adult. I was at the University of Western Ontario in my first semester, and I was trying to figure out how I was going to get the finances to pay for my next semester. And quite literally, without that being solved and that being answered, I was going to have to not attend university uh, in that next semester. I had just come from a church service uh, in London, Ontario, uh, that was not only teaching about extravagant praise and worship, as was happening on the road here to Jerusalem that day, this Palm Sunday, but we were, we were demonstrating it. We, we were entering into it. And it was really impacting my life in a, very, in a very real way. And I was driving home in my very cool 1976 Grand Torino. <laughs> now, it was so cool that it was, there was a, a race between my gas gauge and, and my speedometer. <laughs> I couldn't barely afford to put gas in the car, let alone get the finances for my next semester. And I was deep in thought about it. But that night at the church service, we had been singing a song. And some of you will remember this old school song called Jehovah Jireh. Yeah, I know. That's, that's weird. Jehovah Jireh. It's actually a title from the Old Testament. And it's a title about the goodness of God, that God is our provider. And it was a Hebrew title, Jehovah, Jehovah God, Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. And the lyrics of the song were Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient for me. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Well, I'm driving along deep in thought, trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for that next semester. I've got my right hand on the steering wheel, and I can remember it like it was yesterday, and my left arm on the, on the uh, console uh, on the door, and I was humming. And I was not even realizing I was humming because the, the tune of Jehovah Jireh was really catchy. And I was humming the tune. And before I realized it, I began to sing the lyrics of the song. And I began to sing out this song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And the lyrics of those songs, something began to happen as I was, my brain and my spirit connected as my mouth was saying these words. And I was praising the God who was my provider. I was praising the God that not only could provide my needs, 
he would provide my needs. And I began to sing louder and louder. My foot got a little heavier on the accelerator. I began to kind of, I was kind of, you know, moving and grooving to this song as my spirit was connecting, as the Holy Spirit was so real in the car at that moment. It was literally as if Jesus was sitting right beside me in my car, assuring me as I was praising and worshiping that day that he would, he could supply my need. Now, last week or a couple weeks ago, we talked about the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere at one time, and that's a great truth. But I believe also that God, yes, God is everywhere. He was already in my car. But we believe in the felt presence of God, that not only is God by faith with us everywhere we are, that God can, he can make himself known, he can make his presence known to us, and the way that happens is through the portal of praise. When we praise God, something happens where the veil between here and heaven becomes very thin, and we can feel and experience God's presence. That happened to me in the car uh, that day as I was singing, and I experienced the power of praise. Now, look, God's not some kind of egotistical God that's in heaven going, praise me. I need you to praise me. No, praise louder. I need to know how great I am. (laughs) Praise is not for God. God knows he's God. Praise is for us. Praise is the portal that opens us into his felt presence. This is a very powerful principle that I want to give you today as we learn how to praise ourselves out of the thick of it. Look at this scripture. It says, yet you are holy, talking about God. You are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Now, you've got to get this. God literally established his his throne on our praise. When we begin to enter into praise, a heartfelt expression of God, I love you. God, you are able. God, you are great. God, you do mighty things in my life. When we begin to pronounce out loud and we enter into praise, and here at Harvest, we do it with uh, music, uh, clapping our hands, shouting and singing. And I want to just encourage us today, if you've never entered into a, a praise experience, that you would, you would do that. You already have. Continue to do it and understand there is a power in praise. And so the throne of God is literally established when you begin to praise Jesus. What does that mean? His throne represents his power, his authority, his presence. When you begin to praise the Lord and that that portal opens up, so to speak, in the spirit realm, what happens is his throne comes into where you are. His authority, His power, and where God's power and authority are, we have victory. I need to tell you that I just didn't have a feel-good experience, and it does feel good to praise the Lord, but I didn't just have a feel-good experience in my 1976 Grand Trino that day. No, God's presence was in the car, and shortly after that event, God did a miracle, a financial miracle in my life that provided for my next semester and then some. Because he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. As we praise God in his throne, his authority, his presence comes into our life, we're going to learn how to praise ourselves out of the thick of things. The scriptures say this, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Some people think the throne of God, because we just talked about the throne of God coming in our praises. You might say, I'd be afraid if God set up his throne, if I start praising him, because I I think there would be like thunder and lightning if I came near God's throne. 
The Bible talks about God's throne not as a place that's scary or to be feared, but a place that you want to run to. It's a place of love and acceptance, a place where you belong. The Hebrews writer, the, the writer of the Hebrews said, let us come boldly. It literally means, come on, skip right in. Come with some confidence. Come like you own the place. <laughs> come to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive not anger and wrath, but mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Grace is not limited to forgiveness. A lot of people understand that God forgives us because he's gracious. He gives us grace. We don't earn it or deserve it, but he forgives us. But grace is so much more than forgiveness. Grace is whatever you have need of in your life, he will provide it. And we receive that grace. And we receive it as we Praise his name as we learn to the power of praise. It opens the pathway into the very throne of God, his felt presence, and we receive the power, we receive our answers, we receive our miracles as we begin to do that. Number one today, and I want to show you how to, how to uh, thrive in the thick of it by praising your way out of the thick of it. Number one today, I want to share this with you, this principle, praise your way out of the pit. Praise your way out of the pit. I'm taking this principle from Genesis chapter 37, and we're meeting a young man named Joseph. Joseph was one of many brothers. His father was Jacob. Jacob would have a name changed in a couple of chapters later to become Israel. Israel was a nation, of course, and the father, uh, the father of Israel had these sons, and each son became a clan leader or a tribe leader of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we're going to read about that. I want you to just keep that in mind, these brothers that are getting together. Now, Joseph, Joseph, everything's kind of really going well in Joseph's life. Uh, he's excited. God's put a dream in his heart. God's talked to Joseph about his destiny. And everything's going so well. He's excited about it. He's excited about his future and all that God has for him. But he doesn't have a lot of wisdom. <laughs> and so he shares with his brothers about his future in a way that suggests, hey, I'm the greatest of all the brothers. You guys just take a lower seat. You guys step aside because Joseph's here and Joseph's about to take over. Well, he did it in such a condescending fashion that his brothers literally hated him. And they were looking for a way to kill him. You know, it's one thing to have haters in your life. It's another thing when those haters are your very family. And that's what happened to Joseph. And they took him, and they threw him down into this deep uh, uh, hole in the ground. Really, it was a pit. I'm talking to you today about praising your way out of the pit. They put him into this deep hole in the ground as they talked about how they might kill him. Today, I want to talk to you about the pit that you might be in. A pit today is a place that you are put by circumstances, and there's no natural way out. Many of us are, because of the coronavirus and, and because of what we're facing, unemployment perhaps, uncertainty of the future, there is, the circumstances have placed us into a pit that we can't get out of even if we wanted to. There's no rope ladder. Uh, there's no way out. You try to scale out in your own strength. You realize you're in a place, you've been placed there by circumstances, and you feel like perhaps even your very life is in danger. You know, Joseph, as he was in that pit, he could only look straight up. 
All he could see was the sky and the light coming in. It was a small opening. Unless somebody was going, hello down there. I mean, you want to talk about isolation? He was isolated. Feeling disconnected? He was disconnected. Natural circumstances can often place us in a pit. You can't see to the left. You can't see to the right. You can't get out to see what's around. Things are going on around Joseph, but he's unaware of them because he's in the pit. It's a place where you're uncertain about the future. You might be able to relate that today. I I can relate to Joseph being in a pit. It's interesting as Joseph's in that pit that one of his brothers, Judah, said to the other brothers, what profit, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Judah does this, his brother Judah. Okay, okay, Pastor Roy, you said Judah a lot. <laughs> Judah, what you need to know, you've got to get this, is the clansman leader, Judah, the tribe of Judah, means praise. Judah's name literally means they were the tribe of praise. And so praise comes and says, let's look at it this way, praise comes and says, what profit is there for him to die? I think there's another option here. When we begin to praise and praise our way out of the pit, praise begins to rise up. Praise begins to be awakened in us. And as Judah began to lift his voice and say, hey, I don't think Joseph should die. And his brothers listened as we continue reading. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit. If you know the story. It wasn't quite over for Joseph. They lifted him out of the pit only to sell him into slavery. But that movement out of the pit moved him into his destiny of being the ruler of Egypt. Joseph couldn't have dreamed of what was ahead of him. It was great. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, quoting Jeremiah. Listen, God knows, as we looked a couple weeks ago, about what our future holds. If you're in the pit, don't, don't, don't die in the pit. Don't have despair in the pit. Listen now, allow Judah, allow praise to have a voice in your life. Begin to lift your voice of praise, and it will lift you out of the pit. It was Judah that lifted Joseph out of the pit. I want to encourage you today. Come on. You've got to get this point that praise can literally pick you out of the pit you're in. Hey, it, it doesn't mean the story's over. This, this event that we're in may not be over tomorrow, but you will discover that God has a future for you. You will discover the presence of God. You will discover that God doesn't want to leave you in your pit today. He wants to lift you out. Come on. We're going to praise our way out of the pit. I want to give you a second principle today, and that is to praise your way out of the prison. I want to take you to the New Testament, to Acts chapter 16, and there are two men named Paul and Silas who were leaders of the New Testament church as the church was beginning in the book of Acts. They were just having services. They were telling people about Jesus. And the town leaders, uh, there was a report that was brought to them, and they were falsely accused, Paul and Silas, falsely accused of committing a crime they didn't commit. And so they were beaten, as uh, the, Roman, uh, the Roman law had for them. They were beaten, and found, they were tried, and they found guilty. And they were thrown into prison. Let's pick up the story uh, in Acts chapter 16. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. 
the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. I want you to see a couple of points here that are really important to this principle that we're going to praise our way out of the prison. We're going to praise our way out of the pit, but we need to praise our way out of the prison. It's interesting that the jailer was given very specific instructions, put them into the most secure place we have, because I think there's a chance they could escape. I think they have the capacity to get out of this prison. I believe these are men that have a way out when there is no way out. You see, we can be in places where we've learned that praise picks us out of the pit, but I believe the jailer, now not you know, not literally the jailer here in the story. I want you to see the connections. These are principles for us to learn. I believe that there is a real devil, a real enemy of our soul. Uh, uh, he's on assignment to take us out. And God wants us to learn how to overcome. He wants us to learn how to praise our way out of the prison. I believe in the same way the jailer was given specific instructions, the devil himself wants to put you into a place where he's in your head, in your mind, and in your emotions saying, oh, maybe you escaped before. Maybe there's been another time that you have gotten out of it by praising, but not this time. You're not getting out of it this time. You're not going to escape this time. Oh, I know there's a possibility you could escape. I've seen that you've escaped in the past, but you're not escaping this one. And it's as if the enemy hunkers down and says, I'm taking you out. I'm putting you in, look now, the inner dungeon. They weren't in the normal place that prisoners were in. Uh, in the normal kind of capacity of a Roman jail, you could visit with your friends. Uh, you weren't socially isolated. You could interact. Uh, you could talk to the other prisoners. In the inner dungeon, it was dark, and you were alone. Even though Paul and Silas were seated together, it was so dark, they wouldn't have been able to see one another. They, were, they could talk to one another, but they really were cut off. I think we can relate in so many ways today to the inner dungeon. I want to talk to you today about praising your way out of prison, this inner dungeon, this place where the enemy is going to lie to you. This is the place of your mind and your emotions. It's the prison of our mind and emotion, the inner prison, the inner, the inside prison. Sometimes we can imprison ourselves by negativity. We just start thinking about everything that could go wrong. We start talking about how life is coming to a direction that well, there's no way we're going to get out of this. We feel isolated as they did in the inner dungeon. And our emotions begin to agree with our minds. Depression starts to set in. Anxiety starts to set in. These things begin to take a grip on us. Listen, I want you to know in these days, there's nothing more important. This is my go-to principle. I want to share with you my go-to principle that I've learned, that I learned so many years ago, that you've got to begin to praise God and open the portal. Have Him come and rescue you, even out of the inner dungeon. Don't let your emotions, don't let your mind convince you there's no way out. Begin to praise the one who can get you out, not just of the pit, but of the prison. Well, at midnight, the darkest hour, when it was so dark, and down in that hole, it would have even been darker. Paul and Silas were praying. Look now, they were singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. They began to clink their shackles and their chains together, just like they were playing a, a, a shaker or some percussion instrument. They began to sing. 
they began to sing loud enough that the prisoners in the other part of the prison could hear them. They were singing loudly. They were entering into extravagant praise, even though their minds and their emotions were feeling another way. That's why the Scriptures say, it's a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes we don't feel like it. But I'm saying, don't, don't, it doesn't matter what your emotions feel. Like I was in the car that day. Allow your spirit to cause your soul. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And, and it, your, your, your voice will catch up with your spirit. Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, just coincidentally, as they began to praise, they opened that portal. There was a great earthquake so that the foundations, look now, the foundations of that prison. I don't care how long you've known anxiety. I don't care how long you've known fear. The very, it may be in the very foundations of your life. I'm telling you today that praise can break the very foundational things in your life and begin to break them open so that you can be shaken loose and the the very shackles that are holding your life can be shaken loose. Immediately, all the doors were open and everybody's chains were loosed. But at midnight, come on, but I'm going to praise him. Fears grip my soul, but I'm going to praise him. Anxiety and emotional prisons are all around me, but I'm going to praise him. That but is very important today. They made a choice. Regardless of what they were sensing and feeling, what their minds were saying, they changed their circumstances, and they praised their way out of the prison. Everybody's chains were loosed. These are important principles. These are powerful principles. Number three today. I want you to learn how to praise your way into his presence. It's one thing to praise your way out of something, but I want you to really understand what you're really doing is you're praising your way into his very felt presence. You can experience God today. You can feel his presence today for real, not just by faith, but for real. How? By praising him and entering into this principle. Let us come before his presence, his felt presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. As we praise him, we're not just praising our way out of something. You are literally praising your way into his felt presence. Let me just give you some points today as we close this part of our service. Um, how do we do this? Really give yourself to participate in our corporate worship times here at Harvest. And right now we're doing that online. I would encourage you to turn it up a little louder, play it over a few times, but really enter in by lifting your hands, shouting, singing, and clapping, and participating in the corporate expression of praise and worship. It is a powerful way, just like on the streets of Jerusalem that day. It brings attention to Jesus. It brings attention. It's not for Jesus. It's for us. And the more the praise was happening that day, the greater it grew in the crowd because people, the people's attention was drawn. Jesus was there all along. Jesus was walking. There was no parade. There was no procession until people began to enter into the procession. And it got larger and larger and larger. And so the religious people said, it's too large, it's too noisy. No, we say, make it larger, make it even noisier. Why? Because we want to bring attention to Jesus. Another way you can enter in is take time each day to listen to worship music. Put your, if you're not alone and uh, um, at home, or maybe you want to do it as a family, but 
Put your earbuds in and listen to music and enter in. Sing along. Shout and praise his name. Thank God for what he's done in your life. We call this rehearsing, rehearsing his goodness. The scriptures say it this way. We give praise and thanks to you, O God. We praise and give thanks. Your wondrous works declare that your name is near is near, and named there is synonymous in the Old Testament for his presence. Your felt presence is near to who? To those who invoke your name by rehearsing your wonders. Oh God, I remember last year. Oh God, I remember last week. Oh God, I remember when I was a kid driving along in my 1976 Grand Torino. God, I remember. And it causes the portal to open again. Praise him for what he's done in the past. We also want to meditate and praise him uh, for what he's doing right now. And he is doing miracles in your life right now. Thank him in faith for what he's going to do. God, thank you that, my, that my, the economy is safe in your hands. My finances are safe in your hands. My health is safe in your hands, God. I know you're going to keep me in the future. God, I know that you're a part of my life tomorrow. Praise him for what he's going to do. I want you to practice praise, and I want you to come out of the thick of it by learning to thrive, by praising your way out of the pit, out of the prison, and into his presence. We're going to dismiss this part of our service, and I'm going to sign off here. But before I do, I want to just cover something really quickly, but it's so important. That is, if you're watching right now and you don't know Jesus, you've never felt his presence in fact, you were maybe a little bit afraid of his presence or you don't even understand that you can know him personally the way we're talking about. The Bible says that we're all actually separated from God because of our own sin and going our own way. But this Easter time, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, this time is to remind us of what Jesus did on the cross. He took the penalty of our sin on the cross. He took your sin and my sin on the cross for us so that we could come into his presence. He's waiting for you today to come into his presence. He wants to come into your life today. If you're watching this and you've never made a decision, I would love to invite you to make that decision right now. In fact, I got an email this week from a gentleman who made the decision online to say, I want to receive Jesus. I would love for you to do that. A simple prayer will invite Jesus into your life. I'd like to pray that simple prayer. And I would just invite you to repeat it after me today, a way of inviting Jesus into your life, that you could know him, that you could be not among the crowd, a religious person, but you could be in the crowd of praisers today who know his presence and power. Are you ready? Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you do love me. Thank you that I already belong to you. I receive your love today. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sin. Take up residence in my life today. Thank you for doing that today, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, we believe you are born again. What does that mean? His life and his spirit is in your life. 
God bless your harvest. We just love you so very much. And anyone who's watching today, that uh, I, what a privilege just to be coming to your home and to your, into your device today. I hope you've enjoyed this series, Thriving in the Thick of It. We can't wait to come to you next week, Easter Sunday morning, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have an amazing week. 32 minutes.